0: Welcome to the My Buddy Green podcast. I'm Jason Wachab, founder and co CEO of My Buddy Green, and your host. Hey everyone, with January and New Year's resolutions on the horizon, so are detoxes but detoxing deserves a total rebrand. Detoxing isn't about limiting your body or some gimmicky juice cleanse. Rather, you should focus on what you're putting inside your system. There are little ways to detox every single day that don't involve any sort of extreme cleanse. And in this episode, Dr. Viv shows us how. With that, enjoy the show. Dr. Viv, welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Jason, for having me. It's such an honor to be here.
0: Well, it's such an honor to have you on the show. I've really enjoyed your content on Instagram for some time now, so I am so excited that you're finally with us. And why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your medical background and, and your personal story, which is quite powerful.
1: Oh, thank you so much. And I love the work you're doing with Mind Body Green. by the way. You're putting so much amazing information and helping so many people. So yeah, it's super Honored to be here. Um, And so, for those that don't know me, my name is Dr. Viv. uh, Well, Vivian. Uh, I I go by Dr. Viv on social media because that's what people call me. Um, But I'm a conventionally trained MD. Um, I went to medical school in the UK. And I am a big proponent of science and using science as the guiding light to help people with their health. But through my own journey, through my own family's health journey, um, I started to realize that although medical school equipped me with a very good toolbox of symptom relief, so you know treatments that helped people relieve their symptoms, we weren't very good at getting to root causes, and therefore we weren't very good at giving people long-term relief from their symptoms. Um, so I started to get disillusioned. Um, I felt like I was prescribing a pill for every ill and, you know, my patients would come back to me year after year and they would end up with more and more medications. And sometimes I was prescribing just to treat the side effects from the medication I gave them previously. Um, but really things came to a head when I had my daughter. and that was kind of the biggest epiphany for me when everything in my world turned upside down. So she had to be host- hospitalized when she was just eight weeks old. Um, she completely stopped feeding. I was be- breastfeeding her, and she would latch on and then come off, arch her back in pain and cry. Um, and nobody could figure out what was wrong with her, including me. So she had this team of pediatricians. Um, top pediatricians in London looking after her um, and they couldn't they couldn't figure out what was wrong with her so we had to put a tube down um, into her stomach to feed her in order to keep her alive. I can still remember that moment like the struggle on her face when they passed the tube through her nose into her stomach and she her cry. I've felt like the biggest failure. I felt like I felt her as a mom, as a doctor. And, you know, there she was the the one person I wanted to help the most in the world, and I couldn't help. And that really, it was like a switch had turned on in my head. And I suddenly realized there was so much missing from my medical training, that I had to now learn and you know, the urgency of that situation was that I had to look for answers to help her. So I did what I knew best, which is to dig back into the literature, the science, the textbooks. And I came across a paper that described her symptoms, published in 1983, um, and related her symptoms to cow's milk protein allergy. Uh, it was This was 14 years ago, so it was not talked about back then. None of her doctors believed me when I presented this to them, but they eventually agreed to let me switch her milk. Um, So we switched her to a hypoallergenic formula called Nucate, and within a week, she was better. So that was kind of the first step for me to take to segue into what I do now. Um, I'm not saying that conventional medicine doesn't have a place, not at all. I think it has a very important place, but we are also missing a very important or missing lots of important um tools that we could be using in conventional medicine when we're not considering other things like lifestyle and nutrition.
0: It's a powerful story. How's your daughter today? How's she feeling? How old is she now?
1: She's 14 now. Um, she's doing really well. She She actually was subsequently, after that hospitalization, diagnosed with peanut allergy as well, which I was told would be lifelong. But she grew out of that when she was four four years old. Um, She's completely grown out of her allergies, and she's thriving and doing really well now. Um, So yeah, and that's why I'm so passionate about what I do.
0: So, was there something was was there a specific protocol that helped her grow out of the allergy?
1: That's I. We could talk about allergies all day. I'm going to, I'm going to summarize it. Uh, this is my personal belief through all the research that I've done and read. Um, and if you ask allergists, they will still tell you that, you know, there's no scientific backing for that. But um, I truly believe that our immune system is overwhelmed by the, you know, eighty-five thousand chemicals that are in our environment. Um, that we, you know, our bodies are not meant to recognize these chemicals, uh, and it's really hard to actually avoid these toxins now that are in our everyday products. Uh, not only that, we're under immense amounts of stress. We're not eating. Um, you know, our food system is not focused on whole foods. We are, you know, processed food is more is cheaper than whole foods. And so we're undernourished and all of these things come together to now throw off our immune system and the immune system is confused and it needs nutrients. And depending on your genetic predisposition, you may, it may manifest as allergy or it may manifest as autoimmune disease, which is also an exploding epidemic. Um, and, you know, it's it's the interplay between our genes, our environment, and our lifestyle that kind of ultimately culminate into a disease, which we is a label, but it's just a label. We need to remove that label and look at what's going on underneath of that that's contributed to this label. And so that's what I did with my daughter. I, I kind of looked into why... Um, why would she develop this really rare form of allergy when I didn't have any allergies myself? And, you know, I came through papers that talked about how mercury can tip your immune system towards the more allergenic arm. I had five amalgam fillings, amalgam of silver fillings um, that are 50% mercury. Um, And also lots of different papers on how phthalates Which are common chemicals found in personal care products, uh, household household cleaning products, can also tip the immune system towards a more allergenic arm. And these were things that I was exposed to every single day when I was pregnant with her. And you know, I believe that these things then kind of not transform is not the right word, but tipped her immune system towards the more allergenic arm. So that when she was exposed to cow's milk protein, um, she started to react to it because she didn't recognize it as food any- anymore. Her immune system was confused, and so the first thing I did was to clean out our environment, so to reduce the exposure to all these chemicals that could be upsetting her immune system. Um, and then it was, and then we uh, moved to supporting nutrition. So. As well as reducing exposure, it's really important to also think about supporting the detox pathways um, because we can't expose, we can't avoid toxin exposure 100%. Now, uh, it's impossible, and if we tried, we will be end up really stressed. So, reducing exposure where I can and increasing uh, the support of uh, the detox organs. Um, adopting lifestyle changes that helped these detox pathways run more smoothly. Um, That's kind of like the big picture of what I did.
0: So as you mentioned, environmental toxins are everywhere, 85,000 or so chemicals, impossible to avoid all of them. What are some of the biggest culprits in terms of toxins that we should try to avoid at all costs?
1: Yeah, so the endocrine disruptors are, are... Kind of a group of chemicals that have probably the strongest evidence in disrupting our hormones, so that can result in fertility issues, uh, menstrual issues, um, blood sugar dysregulation, and also um, it has an impact on our immune system too. So uh, these include things like BPA, phthalates, um, and also PFAS. So this is a it, it, there's a lot of information and press. Coverage on PFAS now. So per floral alcohol substances. This is a group of several thousand chemicals that are commonly known as the chemicals you use to uh, make Teflon. So the non-stick pans. They make your pans non-stick, um, and they are also found in waterproofing things. Um, so those are the endocrine disruptors, probably the biggest group, and then um, I would also include heavy metals as well.
0: And so, if I'm in my home right now, uh, and I'm going to do do an inventory in my kitchen, in my bathroom, what what are some of the most common items? You know, you mentioned the nonstick pan. Where, where else should I look to ensure no BPA, no PFAS, to, to make sure I'm set up set up for success?
1: Yeah, I love that question. Um, so I would look at what you're intaking the most, what you're coming into, uh, what you're being exposed to the most, right? And that's our air and water. That's air and water. So um, you know, in your air, what what are you putting into your air that could be releasing endocrine disruptors in, and therefore you're breathing it in? So um, air fresheners this time of year very common, right? Um, People want their homes to smell like apple spice or whatever it is that um, they spray. But these air fresheners are very common common sources of endocrine disruptors like phthalates. Um, so that would be the first thing to go. Um, and then candles. I know people are going to hate me for saying this. <laughs> and I personally love candles too. But that can also be a source of carcinogens like benzene, toluene, um, formaldehyde, and also phthalates. Um, So look for better products when, you know, I love candles too. And if you're using it for ambience, you can look for flameless ones, or you can look for soy, um, beeswax, those are better. And um, when it comes to fragrance, so fragranced products are very commonly laced with phthalates because phthalates fixes the scent to the product and so if you have a shower and then five hours later you're still smelling like your shampoo or your conditioner there's probably phthalates in that that's making that scent stick so um, that's where I'm going next which is personal care products because um, I think women we we are marketed to use a ton of personal care products and I really don't feel like we need that many to start off with but a lot of them like perfumes again are full of endocrine disruptors so um, really kind of and I, I don't mean go out there and throw everything you have in your bathroom in the trash not at all I would start with something that covers a big surface area first so you know for example your body products um, or something that's in an area that you use that is, um the skin is very thin and it's very easy to absorb, so around the eye area or in the intimate area in, in you know, the private parts. Um, so, yeah, those are probably the first places I would go to.
0: So essentially for personal care products, look for clean labels. Go to brands you trust, look for clean labels.
1: Yes. And you guys actually do a really good job. I love your... Um, clean, uh, beauty shares, um, because it is a minefield trying to vet personal care products, right? Um, you, there's a lot of nuance and in ingredients. And so you really need someone who knows what they're doing to vet these products. So thank you for, that. For well,
0: well, well, thank you. We take a lot of pride and I'll give a, a shout out to our incredible beauty director, Alex Engler, who also has a show. If you really want to go deep on beauty, clean beauty school that I encourage everyone to listen to.
1: Yes. I listen
0: that show. So, I love it. And so she, she is phenomenal. Um and, and look, like you said there there are there are a couple ways to think about this. One is limiting exposure to these environmental toxins and and, and understanding that you just can't eliminate it completely. It's impossible. 85,000 chemicals can't do it. But you can you can minimize some of the bigger ones. And then there's the detoxification piece, supporting Our detox pathways. Can can you you talk a lot about detoxes? So how how would you describe at the highest level your view on detoxification compared to everyone else?
1: The detox industry is fifty billion dollars. Fifty billion dollars, and the weight loss industry is two hundred billion dollars. And what do these two industries have in common? They both provide or sell these. Products that offer um, the promised land of quick fixes, which are very attractive, but they don't deliver long term results, unfortunately. And that's why people keep going back and trying detox after detox. You know, they try one, they try one next year, or maybe they try three times a year. And the same goes for weight loss, right? We know that most weight loss products or diets on the market don't work, and yet people keep going back to them because you know they are marketed as quick fixes but here's the thing right um, these toxin exposures when unless you're in a chemical involved in a chemical spillage where you're exposed to a huge amount acutely we're mainly talking about everyday low dose exposures where you're not going to see a dramatic difference in your how you feel from day to day but over years that's where you might start to Uh, notice symptoms. And what happens is that when these toxins come into our body, and our detox capabilities are exceeded, these toxins now start to be stored away, they're stashed away by the body, the body's very intelligent, to protect us uh, from these chemicals that may be damaging our major organs. So the common places they go to is fat, um, and studies have shown that when people lose weight rapidly, their blood levels of toxins like pesticides go up and that then can dampen their metabolism. And that's wh- why weight loss often stalls, because these chemicals are now coming in and altering your metabolism, making weight loss even harder. So if you want to lose weight, you actually need to support your detox organs and eliminate those release toxins. but more more than that, if you think about the fact that the body's now snatching away these toxins on a daily basis so they're in storage you can't expect to you know use a product that promises you to detox over seven days and expect your body to be you know clean and hundred percent toxic free that's just not the case so you know if you go out grocery shopping and you come home with a lot of shopping uh, a lot of groceries, um you're putting it into your fridge now your fridge is full you're going to put it in the freezer and that's what the body does with the toxins it stores it away you can't expect to take all the food out of freezer and eat it right away right that's just not going to happen it takes time and the body needs time the body needs you to nourish it in order to detox effectively and so i actually liken our detox pathways or how we detox to a marble run. So the marbles are the toxins come into the body and they go through the different stations, right? And then it, eventually, ideally, they end up at the bottom out of the marble run. But because of modern day lifestyle, our poor diet, stress, um, a lot of the rungs on that marble run are blocked. And these are our detox pathways. When these detox pathways are blocked, toxins now cannot exit the marble run. They start to accumulate, and that's why a lot of people experience detox reactions. You know, they might break out, they feel tired, they have headaches. These are not normal reactions. These are symptoms your body is telling you that your detox pathways are blocked. They're overwhelmed, and you need to support them.
0: So, in other words, detox isn't a quick fix. It's not a way to lose weight quickly. A detox is something, or or natural detoxification is something that we should focus on daily. It should be part of our everyday lives. I love that. And so how do we, you know, if we think about lifestyle nutrition, what are some of the things we can do to support our natural detoxification process every day?
1: Yeah. And what I'm going to say is, is probably going to, you know, most people will be like, oh, that's... That's too easy. It won't work. But I can tell you through having helped thousands of people, it does work. And you don't need to spend lots and lots of money on these detox protocols. You can actually start by doing these low-hanging fruits. So the first thing is you got to poop, right? So (laughs) I I know, like, doctors love talking about poop, right? You probably get a lot of it, but um, poop is so such an important exit pathway um, for these toxins um, and actually when your liver has done its job of neutralizing or breaking down toxins that you encounter, these toxins are sent to the gut to be eliminated. Now if you're not pooping, these toxins are reabsorbed in t- back into the body so you're not actually detoxing at all and this is the mistake I see people make over and over again when they want to detox come January. Lots of people will be rushing out to buy liver detoxes or whatever, you know, supplements are marketed um, for detox. A lot of them target the liver, but it doesn't, it's not supporting the exit pathway, which is the gut, right? And if you're constipated or if you have an unhealthy balance of bacteria that is um, actually sabotaging that exit of toxins, then you're reabsorbing toxins and you're not actually detoxifying Um, your body at all
0: so you gotta poop gotta poop every day
1: poop once or twice a day and sorry to be graphic but your poop what your poop looks like is really important because a lot of people come to me and they say yeah i poop and then i ask them what it actually looks like and they're not pooping your poop needs to look like a long sausage um and if it doesn't you're not pooping properly you know if it's rabbits if it's not formed if it's watery There's something going on in your gut. You've got to work on your gut health first before you do anything else.
0: And so what else, in addition to pooping, we can do to ensure that we are detoxing daily?
1: Yeah, moving your body. So moving your body daily, going for a walk, running, um, yoga, jumping up and down on your kid's trampoline. Those are great things to support detox because, um, our lymph system is a is a really important part of detox pathways it actually helps to carry toxins away from the cell into our detox organs and then carry them to the exit pathways now the lymph system doesn't have a pump unlike our circulatory system so if you don't move your body the fluid in the lymph is stagnant; it doesn't move. So now toxins are not moving to where they should be, and and you don't you're not detoxifying. So moving your body regularly throughout the day. So what I call exercise snacks. You don't need to go out and do two hours of workouts. Um, every hour, just you know, do jumping jacks for a minute or something like that. You know, if you're because we uh, most of us have desk jobs now. We're at the computer you know, a few hours a day, get up every hour and move your body some, whatever way you can.
0: What role does mitochondrial health play in all of this?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So detox, liver detox, um, let's take that as an example, actually requires a lot of energy, um, ATP. So ATP is the currency of energy in our body. And every cell with exception of red blood cells have mitochondria because every cell needs energy in the form of ATP to do its job properly. So in the liver, the liver cells need ATP in order to do the process of detoxification. And one of the ways toxins sabotage our detox pathways and cause symptoms is by damaging the mitochondria. So, toxins can actually directly poison the mitochondria they can also um, affect our brain cells so these can actually directly then cause us to feel brain fogged fatigued and so one of the ways to kind of overcome that is to support your mitochondria because then when your mitochondria can produce more energy it can help then to break down these toxins more effectively.
0: And how do we support our mitochondrial health?
1: It's a little bit of a catch twenty two because, you know, reducing toxins, toxins can damage our mitochondria and therefore reducing toxins is a, is a really important step. So we talked about that. Um, nutrition is really, really important for mitochondria. Um, so mitochondria takes the, The nutrients from the food we eat to produce energy for us, and if you're nutrient deficient, um, that process is not efficient. And what's really interesting is that we haven't talked about one of the most important inhibitors of detoxification, which is stress, and dampens mitochondria function as well. When you're in a stressful situation, your body doesn't know whether it's mental stress or physical stress. And your body might think that you're faced with a saber toothed tiger and you're trying to save your life and wants you to save your life. And so it diverts energy and resources away from processes like detoxification to your muscle to help you run away. And so when you're stressed out, um, your detox pathways are actually down regulated. And so, no matter how much supplements you push now on that detox organ, you're only going to go as far. So it's a little bit like driving on the freeway in first gear, right? Stress caps your car in that first gear, so not no matter how hard you push that gas pedal, you can't go very far. So that's actually a really that's actually the first step I have all my clients tackle is stress. I know I talked about poop first, but stress is really, really important. Um, and stress actually also downregulates your mitochondria function. Um, so that's actually you know, a really key thing to tackle before you jump into supplements.
0: And so you gotta manage your stress, gotta move, and nutrition. And, and without going down the rabbit hole, we'll go down a little bit what is in your opinion the best diet or best foods to support mitochondrial health
1: i don't believe that there is one diet that's best for everybody
0: well said <laughs> i agree
1: we are all bioindividual. we have different genetics and we have different genetic variations um and so you know i i believe that we need a diet that is very plant-rich Um, full of high quality protein and high quality fats, whole food fats, ideally. Um, And, you know, we need to focus more on how many antioxidants and how much fiber we can get into our diet rather than calorie counting or no, you must subscribe to the vegan diet or the paleo, (laughs) the keto, right? I think if we can just look at the, the pillars of what our body needs that gives us a lot more information on what type of food we should be incorporating every day, rather than subscribing to a school of diet.
0: Eat real food.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Fundamentally, eat real food that your grandma would recognize, and get lots of antioxidants in, and that's usually found in plants.
0: You know, I think the the larger point we talk about environmental toxins. You know, eighty five thousand chemicals. It's just hard to avoid all of them. And it's hard to manage stress sometimes. And sometimes it's, you know, hard to move. It's maybe hard to eat right. And then I think about cutting edge uh, modalities, technology. And I want to segue to, to red light therapy, which... Is very interesting, and specifically what what you're doing with Loombox. I think it's fascinating, and my wife Colleen loves it. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> I'm happy to hear that
0: she she does, and she is a, a tough customer. Um, so, c- can you talk? I, it keeps on coming up, uh, and I do think it's on the cutting edge. So, can you talk a little bit about red light therapy and mitochondrial health, and then and segue to what you're you're doing with Loombox?
1: course um, thank you for your kind words that really means the world to me so red light therapy is really interesting because I was a super skeptic of red light therapy <laughs> uh, six years ago I came across a lot of research on red light therapy and how it can help with anti-aging by supporting collagen so I got I got one and you know I was using it on my face um, and I did see a difference, but it really didn't pique enough interest in me for for me to do anything further. But then, um my dad was bedbound with pain. So he was uh, diagnosed with sciatica,
0: sure. I've had sciatica. It's terrible.
1: it's terrible. I'm sorry to you had to go through that, but hopefully you're better now.
0: All good. It led me to start. It led me to yoga and and it was the <laughs> The inspiration for starting my muddy green, yeah. so it all worked.
1: Oh, okay, <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah, silver lining, right? Um, so anyway, he he was bedbound for three weeks. He was put on maximum anti epileptic medication to manage the pain, pain relief, and nothing worked. So I, I flew home. Um, I now live in California, but my parents are still back in the UK. So I flew home and I brought the red light therapy machine with me because I thought. Well, I have read about pain relief and inflammation, so let me see if it works. It can't hurt, right? So I I had him try it, and after a week he was up walking, and after three weeks he was back to normal. Um, now. It wasn't, he didn't have sciatica. When I got home, I actually di- diagnosed him properly. <laughs> he had a, a muscular disorder called piriformis syndrome, which can actually mimic sciatica in many ways. Um, but it, regardless, it was muscle inflammation that caused a lot of pain where he was bedbound, and he wasn't helped by any of the uh, modalities that his doctor gave him. So of course I did food as medicine I you know we did an anti-inflammatory diet introduced lots of anti-inflammatory foods like turmeric ginger into his diet as well as removing inflammatory foods and then you know optimizing sleep which is really important because melatonin melatonin is actually the guardian angel of your mitochondria it helps protect your mitochondria and it's and therefore it's really important in tissue recovery um, and so all of that together helped him heal. Not saying red light therapy alone is a magic cure, but you know it's it's a very very powerful tool. And that's what opened my eyes to what could you know what it could what else could it help with. Um, so when I started investigating more, I just there was, there's so many papers on red light therapy over 2,000 papers. If you type into um, PubMed photobiomodulation and the the name of anything that you're trying to you're trying to help um any health condition you would probably see a paper on it fascinating yeah it's it it was mind-blowing for me um and again I was at that place where I thought why is there so much research on this and yet no doctors are talking about this (laughs) in their offices um And anyway, I I did a lot more digging and I realized that what fundamentally how red light therapy helps um, is to activate the mitochondria. So our mitochondria um, has these antennas, kind of like the receiving, yeah, the antenna that picks up um, light. And when it picks up the light, it activates processes inside the mitochondria um, to then produce more ATP, the energy currency. And because of our modern day lifestyle, the stress, poor diet, um, and, and toxins, the mitochondria is dampened. It's now not able to function. that's why we have so many symptoms like brain fog, fatigue. Um, and when we provide mitochondria with light, it can actually m- mitigate some of that dampening from our environmental stresses. Um, so yeah, it's. I think it's a really helpful tool um, that can actually help us when we're really busy and we don't have time to do all the things that we should be doing uh, as an adjunct.
0: And, and can you talk a little bit more about Loombox specifically? Because again, Colleen loves it. <laughs> And she doesn't love a lot of products and she, she loves Loombox. And so can you, can you talk a little bit more about, you know, your technology and, and what's, what's in it and, and just describe to people also a little bit about red light therapy. Cause I, I still don't think people can really wrap their head around what it is, what it looks like. And so walk us through all of it.
1: Right. So if you think about red light therapy i think most of the time you're thinking uh, a lot of people see these big panels right um and those are good because they provide a lot of energy at once but they're not very versatile to use like for example I, i don't use big panels myself i prefer targeted um red light therapy so i I wanted to create something that people will use. That's the most important thing because I have a big panel at home, which I never use. Um, and I, you know, I'm always sitting on the couch thinking, oh, I wish I could do some relay light therapy now. And then I didn't have a device that was powerful enough because most of the portable devices on the market, because they're battery operated, the, you know, the light power comes from a battery. It cannot deliver a very high irradiance. And a high irradiance means that you get more tissue penetration. So more light will reach deeper into your tissue. Um, So, for example, in a joint, that will be more helpful. And it also means that you can use it for less time to get the same benefit. And that's always a win, right, when we're busy. So I wanted to make a portable device that was really powerful, but battery operated. So I created something that was bigger than the standard portable unit because I wanted to do my whole face and neck at the same time. I don't have time to you know sit there and do my face first and then neck. Um, and I wanted to make something that was powerful so that I only needed to use it five minutes a day and get the benefits. Um, I also wanted to incorporate the two wavelengths that have been the most studied in the literature, so that's red and neinfred. Um, And I wanted every single bulb to deliver both these frequencies. So basically, I wanted everybody to be able to access this thing, use it because it's not taking that much of their time. And that's why I created Loombox, because there wasn't one on the market. And it took me two years because I wanted to make sure it definitely can deliver the irradiance that we want it to deliver. And I wanted to create something that was has been tested for safety, and that's really important to me. And testing, as you, I'm sure you know, um, with your supplements takes a very long time. So that's why it took me two years um, to you know get all the testing done, register it with the FDA. Um, and yeah, I, I I love it because it's so portable, it's so versatile. I use it on my face in the morning um, for anti aging because it's been shown in studies to. Boost collagen production. So it can help with elasticity and improve the appearances of uh, wrinkles, fine lines, um, and also has been shown to help with inflammation. So a lot of people with acne actually also see benefit, psoriasis as well. Um, and then I also use this throughout the day for like joint pain. So I sit a lot doing Zoom calls. So my neck gets stiff and I, you know, take my break and do some red light therapy I put it over my neck Um, or if I work out and I have sore muscles sore joints I use it on that when my kids come home and they've tripped over at school with a big wound on their legs as they do I put red light therapy on that and actually my husband tore his calf muscle playing tennis um, a few months ago and he used a loom box and he his orthopedic surgeon was so pleased with how quickly he recovered. And, you know, I tried to kind of show him the studies on red light therapy and recovery, but he wasn't interested, unfortunately. But it helped my husband, too.
0: So it sounds like anyone who's interested in recovery in the broadest definition of that word should consider red light therapy.
1: Yeah, because ultimately, I mean, it sounds like snake oil, is not it? It does, <laughs> like, it does it does
0: and look like it's been around i I've, i had the same reaction for for a long time and it, it's hard to ignore all the literature that's available right now and it's also hard to ignore the you know all the great work you've done being registered look it's the wild west out there and whether it's supplements or or selling devices a lot of people take shortcuts with with testing um you're registered with the FDA that's that's well, the, all red that's light light should be,
1: yeah um, should be because that is um you know what you're supposed to do if you have a wellness device
0: supposed to do supposed to do right
1: okay, well, <laughs> you sell it as a lamp uh, <laughs> and get away with it um but we yeah I you know my brand I don't I don't like that so and I will you know I use this we have three in our home and I use this on my own family I needed to make sure that it's safe I I don't want anything to happen to my own family from using my red light therapy device and I want it to be effective so I wanted to lab test it so it's in a pristine lab condition and tested for irradiance rather than you know using a handheld light meter to measure like where you know the ambient light can interfere with that reading.
0: So we'll obviously we'll leave a link for everyone in the show notes to Loombox because we we genuinely love the product. Um, I'm curious, what else in your opinion is on the cutting edge? You know, to, to me, red light therapy was for a while there was this literature out there that I don't think enough people were paying attention to, and and the the medical community, the Western medical community, wasn't at all. What what else, in your opinion, is out there that we're just, you know, maybe a little bit under the radar that's on the cutting edge? Maybe the science is early. Maybe the science is established. And we're just not paying attention to it. What do you think is interesting?
1: I think what's really interesting is what's going on in our mind. Um, trauma. As we talked about that, and I really feel like more and more we're going to see modern medicine move back towards nature. Um, You know, take hints from nature, like we're now talking about the microbiome and soil health, which is so amazing, right? This is where we should, we've been moving further and further away from nature for a while. Um, And that's great. I love intervention, medical intervention, like antibiotics absolutely save lives. And a lot of medical interventions do, But I do think that now we're at a point where we do need to move more back towards nature where we came from. Um, And so, you know, balancing the nervous system, I think is huge. And, you know, there's so many different devices now in the market to help us do that. Because I I personally believe that unless our nervous system is in that balanced state where we're spending most of the time in a calm parasympathetic dominant state, no matter what you do, no matter what expensive supplement you throw at the body, the body cannot heal.
0: You know, it's a, it's a great point. I think of sleep, for example. So many people struggle with sleep and there are, there are tons of sleep aids. There's great technology, there are great routines, all these things you can do to, to try to set yourself up for a good night of sleep. But good sleep starts in the morning. And there is significant research that suggests one of the best things you can do for sleep is to get sunlight in the morning.
1: Yes. Coming back
0: to nature, pretty simple. Get sunlight first thing in the morning. It's critical.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, rebalancing the nervous system again, because most people can, a lot of people can't sleep because they have a very high cortisol level at night still, when cortisol should be low right and if cortisol is high because you're stressed out then that actually inhibits melatonin production and release and if you don't have melatonin then of course you can't sleep and if you sleep the quality of sleep is not there you can't get that deep sleep which is restorative that's when your brain actually detoxifies and that's when your liver can really work. And that's when melatonin comes out and support and repair your mitochondria so that the next day your mitochondria can work at its optimal function for you. Yeah. So I, I think going, you know, as a as a very science-backed, um, science-based person, I think nature has a lot of fascinating science that if we just stopped and watched, we will learn a lot um you know when i first qualified as an md uh, gosh i'm going to show my age now but more than 20 years ago um i i was mocked for talking about meditation <laughs> oh you're uh, like you, you tree hugger they told me they called me and um you know now there's a lot of research on meditation and how it can actually improve uh brain health and is yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more of that come back in. and it's the I think the most important thing to remember is that your body innately knows um what it needs to do to heal. Um the body has a, is very intelligent, but we need to provide the nutrients it need the lifestyle it needs in order to do the functions that it wants to do to to help us heal. And a lot of the time we're standing in, in its way with, you know, the stress and, and I'm I'm not saying it's easy. It is definitely not easy. And I, I get it, like I'm stressed a lot of the time. But I think it just being aware and catching yourself, right? And saying, I've had a really long day. I haven't moved my body at all. Let me just, you know, quickly do 10 minutes of yoga. Like just doing what you can. Um and then incorporating some kind of, sort of stress stress reduction into your routine um would be really, really beneficial
0: and for you is that meditation or yoga
1: i actually really love breath work and you know uh we talked about mitochondria earlier um i'm doing this breath work do you know wim Hof?
0: of course he's a little he's a little he's been on the show he he's a little too intense for me personally but he is uh a, a, an inspiring person
1: yeah definitely so i'm really into breath holding so i you know definitely check with your doctor if you have health conditions but um breath holding to improve mitochondria health um because it's another it's another kind of hormetic stress right so hormetic stress is a a, a, the right amount of stress on your body that improves the function of the cell rather than destroy it so exercise is a really um Interesting hormetic stress, right? So the right amount of exercise can improve your health, but you don't want to overdo it where you know you're, you're causing damage. So yeah, uh, I do breath work, five ten minutes. That really balances my um, nervous system. And then when I have time, like for longer meditations, I'll do like a twenty minute meditation.
0: Yeah, I'm more of the inhale for two, exhale for for four in terms of breath work, and I'll try to do five to 10 minutes of uh, Vedic meditation or, or TM uh, daily, if I can.
1: Yeah, I really want to try that.
0: So you, you mentioned hormetic stressors. Um, do you have a point of view on the, a lot of a lot of people are excited about hot cold therapy, whether that's the cold plunges or the cold showers, uh, or saunas, do you have a point of view?
1: Oh, yes. Um, I love, I mean, there's a lot of behind sauna therapy. I personally haven't delved too deep into cold plunges yet. Um, But yeah, it isn't. That's another hormetic stress, right? But there is a lot of research on sauna therapy now, where if you're raising your core body temperature, you're actually triggering uh, lots of cascades of physiological, biological processes in your body. For example, boosting BDNF, uh, which is a um, a chemical that can enhance brain health, but also things like serotonin, uh, can endorph sorry, endorphins can be released that makes you feel good. Um, there's lots of studies uh, showing it's it can help with cardiorespiratory systems. So I'm a big fan of sauna therapy.
0: It's funny all the studies are out of Finland. They have the monopoly on on sauna studies. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, you know, that, that one I I think is very interesting and there is a lot of supporting research and cold therapy too is quite interesting. That, that one, I am not a fan of the cold, but the, the combination of both is very powerful in terms of the hormetic stressor.
1: Yeah. I really love the combination of cold and actually, um, I really love alternating loom box with cold. Um, if, you, if I have an acute, something acute, um, I actually do loom box 10 minutes and then I put an ice pack on the area right away uh, and alternate that because I feel like the alternation is, is almost kind of like a synergistic effect.
0: That's actually very interesting too, because look, the, the problem, the saunas are great, but they're not accessible. They're expensive. You know, if you can afford one or have the space to put in your home, it's amazing, or maybe you have access through a, a gym or YMCA. Uh, but but they're not accessible. And so with cold at least, cold plunges are expensive. You may not have the space to put in your home, but you could do a cold shower, which is kind of painful, but you you can do it so you can kind of hack it or or fill up your tub. you you can hack it, but it's hard to hack the hot piece because a hot shower will burn you but it's interesting loom box, loom box can be a little bit of a hack
1: right it definitely is and i think it's yeah like you said it's about what you can incorporate right um just making what works for you at the place you're at because we're all at different places um but you know if you can't afford uh, a sauna exercise is great um Exercise is free, right? And I know time is an investment, and you need to invest time in exercise. But going out for a run that will get your um, sweat sweating and get your core body temperature up as well, um, and that is a great way to actually get the lymph flowing. And we know studies have shown that sweat, no matter how you sweat, contains contaminants like heavy metals, PCB. So you are sweating out toxins, no matter how you sweat. So If you can't do sauna, exercise.
0: Do any form of exercise. Whatever brings you joy. Just make sure you're moving. Make sure you're getting your heart rate up. Um, I hate running, so I don't run. But I'll take the stairs all the time. I have a rule. Less than five flights, I take the stairs. It also helps that I hate elevators. Um, And once a week, we live in a, a condo building here. There's 20... 23 floors, once a week, I'll go to the top and back.
1: Oh, wow. wow. But, but
0: Here's the thing. It's hard. And I was very sore the first time I did it. But you know what's interesting? It took me five minutes. And I wasn't running. I was just walking at a fast pace. So if you think about time, if it took me five minutes to get to the top. That's not a lot of time.
1: No, that's not a lot of time at all. And you've just given yourself a very great dose of hormetic stress and boost the mitochondria.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think one, in terms of overall theme, I think what we've talked about today to to some degree is a lot of this stuff is, you know, back to the basics. If you think about eating eating real food, make sure, make sure you move, try to eliminate exposure to toxins, make sure you poop. Make sure the poop looks good. Pull out that Bristol that Bristol chart. Make sure you're getting that that right shape. Uh, and I think combined with some of the cutting edge technology, red light therapy, uh, hot cold hot cold is a throwback. That's 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 easy. A lot of this stuff. I, I I'm excited where the space is going. I think it's we're combining a lot of cutting edge technology. With ancient practices, if you will, a lot of common sense.
1: Right, exactly. I think that that's exactly why why I'm so excited too, because you know I, I really want to encourage everybody to move away from thinking that your body needs a load of expensive supplements or protocols, right? Because your body, in you know, if we go back to the ancient wisdom and trust in our bodies, and then just implement these that you just talked about, which mostly are free, um, you can really go very far, and that's what I teach all the time. And you know, I have a course that actually um, sets down all the, you know, the the pillars, the lifestyle pillars, the food, and that's where you start. And then, if we want to add supplements, you can, and they should be targeted, um, but only once you've opened up your detox pathways do you add in the supplements.
0: Agreed. Agreed.
1: By the way, I do love your supplement. Oh,
0: our daily detox. <laughs>
1: daily detox, I really love it. Um, it has the key um, ingredients that I look for in a, a, a liver support. So, yeah, it's really good. NAC. NAC, selenium, yeah. which I love again. Yeah. And
0: milk thistle, yeah.
1: And milk thistle is tested. A lot of milk thistle is contaminated. So I don't like recommending milk we,
0: we share a passion for testing. Which- <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, definitely. I bugged, I bugged your um, chief of products uh, several times <laughs> with my very persistent questions, but I'm so happy they were able to show me the yes the,
0: the you, responses
1: you, I you, wanted.
0: You're, you're referring to Dr. Ashley, who is our director of or VP of Scientific Affairs, who is a PhD in RD, uh, and, and we all share a passion for testing and transparency. Uh, so <laughs> I,
1: I don't share supplements, um, rarely, very rarely, rarely share supplements on my Instagram, but yours, uh, yours is an exception.
0: <laughs> well, th- thank you. That means a lot. I, I've been following you for quite some time on Instagram, so I, I know you have real standards and, and look like even though I love supplements, it all starts with food. It all starts with nutrition. You shouldn't, you, you can't supplement your way out of a bad diet. Start with the foundational practices in terms of nutrition and lifestyle, see where the gaps are, and then supplement where you need to. But for some people, if you don't have a deficiency, or you don't have a gap, you don't need a supplement for that. And then for others, if you, 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 you need a supplement, take the supplement if you have a gap. But it all starts with the foundation.
1: Absolutely. Um, get the car into the right gear first with lifestyle and diet, and then you can, you know, put in the fancy fuel if you want. <laughs> oh,
0: I love it. I love it. And so in, in closing, I know you have a quiz, which is super cool. Can you tell people where they can find the quiz and we'll put it in the show notes as well?
1: Thank you so much for asking. Um, so if you are curious whether your detox pathways may be blocked, I have a quiz to help you. Um, so the URL for that is detox, sorry, joindetoxright.com forward slash quiz. So r-i-g-h-t dot com forward slash quiz um so if you take that quiz you you will get an answer as to whether your detox pathways are blocked and then i actually have a lot of tips and educational videos that teaches you things like you know what your poop should look like how you support your liver um to actually help you unblock those detox pathways
0: well i for one my detox pathways are super blocked (laughs) I did a lot of expensive testing to find out they were, but uh, they are—they are very blocked, which is one of the inspirations for our product. <laughs> uh, Dr. Viv, thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much, Jason.